You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Um, on Ayahuasca Talks, uh, I believe we have the most fascinating discussions ever because uh, plant medicines really take it to a whole other level in terms of um, subject matter. And today, I will be will be speaking with Luis. Lobre- uh, sorry, let me start that again. Luis Robledo um, and his wife Alexandra from the Center for Cinematic Arts, and he's calling from LA. Hello, Luis. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I am good, thanks. How are you? Doing beautiful. Doing beautiful. Uh, happy to be on the show with you. Thanks. I'm so happy that you're you're on the show. And your wife is there with you? She is. She is. So um, uh, she's just about to join us right now. And uh, put it on the speakerphone. I think we can both uh, talk to you uh, through here. Okay, great. Let's try that. All right. And, uh, so here we are, and uh, Alexandra just walked in. Hi. Hi there. How are you? Back on, how are you? Oh, good. So um, you guys are joining us from L.A. Is it um, weather that we would envy because we're getting the cold weather now? Well, it's, uh, you know, part maybe yes. Uh, <laughs> it's really hot. Like uh, the past couple of days, it's this heat. Uh, that just doesn't seem to, to cool down, you know, and um, L.A. Is, is in the desert still, so normally you have the hot days and the cool nights, but there's it's just been a heat wave of very strange, you know, and we don't have an A.C. I don't really believe in A.C. in, the, here in Southern California. You don't really need it, but uh, this past few summers have been noticed, you know, how, how intense they've gotten. It's almost yeah. unbearable. Things are changing, that's that's for sure. I know. Here it's just entirely unpredictable, and we just roll with it. There are far too many discussions about the weather in Toronto. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, but let's get into this better discussion of, of the medicines. So um, I did warn you about this. Um, my question to you is, what is ayahuasca? And again, it does not have to be a scientific description. It's just your description of, of what ayahuasca is. The ayahuasca to me is the, the connection to my higher self and, and to God. Mm-hmm. In the form of? In a conduit. You know, she's a conduit. She's a bridge. Right. Fantastic. And um, for those of you who are joining us, um, most people, I suspect, listen to this show already know what ayahuasca is, but um, it's a brew of two plants um, that's made into a tea, and uh, it takes us to a very special place, um, as, as Louise described. So um, my next question is, is what, what brought you to the medicines? I want to hear the story of what led up to you discovering ayahuasca and having that experience. Well, you know, it was um, kind of a bumpy road. Uh, I guess at 40, I, I hit kind of a, a midlife crisis, as it were, you know, and um, I think I, I felt like doing something crazy. And, and, you know, and at the time I was I was drinking my fair amount and, you know, just kind of living a very, um, 
I don't know, kind of a very numb existence, you know? And uh, so I wanted to shake it up. So I got the crazy idea through a friend of mine who suggested it, that we go do mushrooms with uh, uh, a shaman in Mexico, in the mountains of Oaxaca. And actually in Huautla de Jimenez, which is where Maria Sabina, who's the great mushroom shaman, uh, is from. And um, we ended up doing the ceremony with uh, her protege's son, who's of the same lineage, uh, Masateco lineage. Um, and um, it was, uh, it opened up my world to something that I didn't know before. Um, and uh, it's very interesting because the very next day, the, the mushroom shaman, uh, Omar, he told me, he said, now that you've met the children, because they refer to the mushrooms as the saint children, mm. now you have to meet the mother. <laughs> I love that. The mother. And he said, ayahuasca. And I'm like, ayahuasca? I've never heard of that. <laughs> and he said, I've, I said, I've never heard of, of that. And he said, uh, don't worry, when it comes time, you will. And, you know, and, and I, remember, I remember, you know, feeling of, a part of me was a little bit, you know, cynical. It was like, okay, prophetic shaman man. <laughs> but he was right. He was right. Because about nine months later, uh, I started hearing it all over the place and it was just everywhere and in one week I, I heard like seven different ref references to it and you know online and in conversations and at the supermarket just very strange um and i really felt called. that i was being called yeah and then of course a few days later my good friend bonnie uh, is a beautiful Italian artist who did uh, production design work on the, on the movie that uh, that we did together. He had uh, been gone to South America for three months and, and uh, kind of disappeared. So he came back and we were going to have coffee and he was going to tell me about his trip. And when I met with him, I just, I just sensed that there was something very different, <laughs> fundamentally changed about him. And... Uh, I asked him, I was like, what's going on, Vanny? You like so you're vibing so differently. What's up? And he said, I did ayahuasca in the jungle. <laughs> I was like or I love the secretive I, way it's said. <laughs> and you know, and then he, I just sat there and listened to his whole story and by the end of the story I was like, Please tell me the name of the place where you went and he told me Niwe Rao, uh Niwe Rao in Quitos, Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, the center that um, is, is uh, run by Ricardo Amaringo, the great Shipibo shaman, and uh, was also co-owned by Joe Tafur, um, and who is uh, a doctor and a shaman in the Shipibo lineage, uh, and actually just wrote a, a great book uh, uh, called The Fellowship of the River, where he discusses uh, you know, the work that he's done healing others with, uh, with ayahuasca, but through the, his doctor, lenses and um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a fantastic book uh, we did we just did the uh, the audio book for it he he read it uh, he narrated it himself and uh, it's going to be out very soon so um, so that's the place that I ended up going to and uh, my wife Alexandra is I, that's the place where she ended up going to on a completely separate walk uh, she that you know ayahuasca took her there as well and uh, and we were there a month apart and we met later through very bizarre uh, supernatural <laughs> circumstances, which, you know, I'll be happy to, to share with you uh, as well. But uh, sure. that's kind of what, what brought, brought me to the medicine. And then from then, you know, um, the medicine just changed, fundamentally changed me bit by bit. And every time I went down there, I've had, I've gone down to the jungle on three separate occasions. 
Um, I've been down to Rhythmia twice uh, in Costa Rica, which is, uh, you know, for periods of uh, 10 days, two weeks. So I've done my share of work, you know, and it's um, it's just like the shaman said very early on, you know, this work is like an onion, you know, and you can work some layers. Right. And, uh, you know, the, you... You're done when you're dead. You know? Right. So let's Part go. Of being human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that resonates with me completely. Done when you're dead. And then not, not, not really even, <laughs> depending on where you decide to go from there. Um, right. So let's go back to your first experience, though. And can you describe that for me? Uh, with ayahuasca or with, uh, with the mushrooms? Well, yeah. I mean, even let's start with the mushrooms. Um, what happened there? You know, it was, uh, I, I, for the first time, I, I really saw that I wasn't well. You know, for the first time, I, I could see myself and, and admit that I was not happy, that I was drinking a lot, that I was uh, smoking a lot of weed, that I was drowning myself in work, you know, the workaholic, you know, a lot, lot of aholics. Mm-hmm. So, running away uh, but you know it wasn't until uh, a year later when I ended up in Peru that's when the, the that's when it really took a turn um, and in, in that experience you know I released you know some major uh, uh, buried resentment that I had towards my father oh right so yeah, I remember you telling me about that. So, can you tell me about some actual experiences? Like, what happened? You took the medicine, you're in the medicine, and can you tell me some of those experiences? Like, describe them. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the one with, uh, that had to do with my father, uh, my intention going into that ceremony was that I, I wanted to prepare myself to be a good husband and a good father when the time came, you know, futurizing mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, trying to get the help from, from the medicine. And once I drank the medicine and it kicked in, uh, I was immediately taken to being six years old and just crying for my dad. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the pain was just, it was endless. You know, it was just hours and hours of, of crying this stuff out. And, um, did you have that those same emotions? Like, did you feel that sadness and and actually cry in during ceremony? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, I you know I became six years old. Oh wow! You know, my, my body felt like that at six. I, I had no. I just released it all, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and by the end, you know, when I was almost too exhausted, that's when the major purge came. So I went and struggled to get up to the top of my bucket and mm. whispered very quietly, you know, in order to be uh, a, a good father and a good husband, first you have to forgive your father. And wow. then you have to ask for forgiveness from the father, you know. And uh, and so I did. And uh, in that moment of forgiveness, I... I Purged into my bucket, and this is something that I'll, I'll always remember. That you know, in the ceremony, it's pitch black. There's no electricity. There's no candles. Nothing. It's pitch black. And what I saw after I uh, purged over my bucket 
was a cloud of blackness, like this cloud, a floating cloud of blackness that was like ten shades blacker than the blackness that was already there. Hmm. And, uh, you know, to realize that I had been walking around with this inside. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how, how it colors your life and you don't even know it. How it runs your life and you don't even know it. So you were asked to forgive your, your father and what is it that you were forgiving him for, if you don't mind sharing? Um, you know, my father was, um, is, uh, he's still alive, uh, he had two families when I was growing up, and I didn't know that he had uh, a second family that he had had prior to marrying my mother. And uh, so his other family that I didn't know about lived in Mexico, and uh, our family lived in Texas. And so he would, you know, just be gone half the time, and, you know, and his way of trying to do the right thing and be there for both sets of kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he split his time evenly, you know. But all I saw was that, you know, he was there sometimes and sometimes he wasn't. And, and I became very numb to it, you know. I mean, I remember by the time being 13, my mom would tell me, uh, oh, your dad's going to be, be home on Tuesday. And and I remember it started to feel like an imposition. Like, it was, I, I would prefer it when he was gone, mm-hmm. you know. But I never really thought much of it. And intellectually, I, I could accept that my father, you know, made his mistakes and tried to, you know, do the best he could with what he had. Right. And, uh, you know, and in my mind, I had nothing to bitch about, I guess. Right. But in my heart, I was I was holding on to, to something that I, I wasn't really aware of. Yeah, it's amazing the things that we're carrying around we don't even know until we do these medicines, and then it's it's really astonishing. So, um, can you describe another experience that you had with ayahuasca? One of one of the most amazing ones that I that I had was um, when I got actually the day after I had that ceremony with my dad. I was feeling very very raw. Right. And, uh, I remember that the next day I couldn't really talk to anybody because I just felt like I was on the verge of tears the whole day. But you know, just kind of just in this raw space. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was about to back out of the last ceremony because that was the last one was that night, and um, and you know a friend of mine just really said, you know, you're here, you already paid for the trip, you know, you might as well just do it, and I was convinced. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so my that was the last ceremony on that first trip, and uh, I asked, I got bold, and I asked to meet the father. And um, and I I did, you know, and then all I can tell you is uh, it's one of the most amazing experiences. Uh, the best that I can describe it is if you're, imagine yourself like, you know, you're five years old and you're sitting on your dad's lap while he's on an intergalactic motorcycle <laughs> everywhere and you just feel the power of this, this vehicle and this love and warmth protecting you but showing you everything and you know and uh, I, I saw planets you know I saw other civilizations I was shown a, a kind of a time, time lapse of how life evolved on the earth you know it was just um, unbelievable you know and uh, just one of the most amazing and cherished experiences I've been and there are, are many others you know there was uh, another time where my heart was rewired by an, an insectilian, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, was rewired by? Uh, an insectilian. Okay, describe it for, for the people uh, who are listening, because not a lot of people understand that. <laughs> um, 
a body of a man with the head of an ant. Wow. Uh, and I was laying in, uh, this is one, I think it was about my third or fourth ceremony. And um, so th- that that ceremony was really bizarre because uh, I was laying in, in the jungle looking up towards the sky, bright blue sky, and beautiful greenery, you know, lit up like uh, um, like Avatar, the movie. Right. Uh, that has come up a lot. <laughs> sure, absolutely. It's, it's connected. To yep. And uh, so all of a sudden I see just all these little specks of something black coming. It's like a rain coming at me, torrential from high up in the sky. And then I realize as they're falling, it's, there's thousands of little snakes and they're all raining. And the ones that are fall, you know, coming close to me, they're going into my brain. And they go inside and I can actually feel like you know, electricity and, you know, perhaps new connections being made. I mean, I feel all this electric, electrical activity in my head as these snakes are going in there. And it stops raining, and I'm like, wow, phew, that was weird, you know, one could freak out with that, right? <laughs> so just as I'm thinking that, you know, this guy comes up to me, and he's got the body of a man, but he's got the head of an ant, and with the antenna moving and everything, and he just comes alongside me, and I don't run or anything, but he just kind of goes and with uh, one of his sets of uh, hands, he opens up my chest and starts moving stuff around in there. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm rewiring your heart. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, so now, let the man, let the man do his job. And did you feel anything when this was happening? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I had the sensation of, uh, of things being shifted, you know, like I said, in, in the, uh, with the snakes, I could actually feel like what felt to me like rewiring in the <laughs> brain. Right. Um, and then in the heart area, uh, it just felt like my heart was being expanded. Oh, beautiful. Or, be, or, or it was, you know, being brought back to maybe its original size. I don't know. But, you know, definitely, um, I could definitely feel them. No. You know, and these experiences, they're visual, but they're also kinesthetic, and you feel, and you smell, and you taste, you know, um, it can be all those things. Right, you're experiencing these things on many levels, in, in ways that um, we're not usually accustomed to noticing so much. We focus a great deal on visual, and, you know, on auditory, and there are aspects of these these experiences that are on, on some levels that are really hard to describe. But, I, you know, I think it's, it's great that we're doing our best. Um, when you talk about this this figure, it's hard not to think about aliens, you know, and the characterization of them with the insect-like, you know, heads. And, <laughs> I mean, you have to wonder if some people are having these experiences without taking medicines, which is entirely possible. I myself have had some. And... And trying to um, process them in terms of some physical explanation, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely. Anyway, um, so um, this—are you giving me this experience from your very first time in that set that when when you were down in Iquitos, or is this over a long period of time? Just different ones that, that the, these ones that I that I shared with you just now are from my first trip. Right. Uh, my first trip was uh, did six ceremonies over ten days. So um, when you came back, 
Let's talk about that and how that changed things. And there must have been something else there if you went through that long period of, of going, you know, something that you described to me earlier that changed profoundly for you. There must have been some other experience that you had that led up to that when the mother uh, asked yeah, you. Absolutely. And in, in, in terms of when I, when I got back, um, I think the, the main thing was... Uh, well, right off the bat, I, I really walked along with a having lost the fear of death. Beautiful. And, uh, I, I can't, you know, describe how good that feels. <laughs> it does. No, you know, to, to just know that, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, who I am, and you know, to have experienced the self before the self, you know, and to have had experienced that that vastness that you know, that we all are before we came here mm-hmm. to go back to. Um, and, and the connectedness of that. Right. You know, and how everything that has consciousness is just a different set of eyes, but the consciousness is from the same source. Absolutely. Okay. And then... Um, so so I, quit, I quit drinking. That was one of the things that... Uh, I stopped drinking alcohol. Right. Um, but just didn't desire it, didn't, and that wasn't even a plan. I quit smoking cigarettes, um, and this is another one that was really interesting because, you know, in, uh, at about my fourth ceremony, the uh, mother told me, she said uh, that I had to quit smoking cigarettes, and she told me how I would do it was by replacing my cigarettes with mapacho. You know, mapacho is oh, you know, right. tobacco that's... Uh, that the shamans use during ceremony that works with ayahuasca. Uh-huh. And so I remember the next day I gave away my cigarettes and I bought a roll of mapachos, rolled mapachos from the, from the store. And I was sitting there smoking my, what seemed like 10 times harsher tobacco. And I'm going, I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, <laughs> you know, Luis, you're really playing yourself, you know, playing a trick in your mind, you know, switching tobacco. It's okay. Come on. You're going to quit. Really? And, you know, I had these doubts, but I was like, but, you know, that's what the mother said, and that's what I have, you know, so um, i got to go with it. And, you know, and I smoked my last mapacho there, and um, and, I, and I quit smoking. Um, and it was, it went on, I went almost three years uh, without smoking cigarettes, and then I was dumb enough to pick it up again, but I'm, I'm off it again, and it was, it's only because of the medicine that, uh, that, that I'm, I'm off it again. But uh, mapacho has very much to do with it because the second time and this happened at Rhythmia, at Costa Rica second time I, I, when I went back and asked for the mother's help in quitting smoking and actually my, my wife and I did it together because we had both picked it up So and we ended up quitting on the same night and have not smoked since Wow! but that night I remember all I could smell was fresh mapacho it was as if somebody had was holding a bag of fresh mapacho in front of my face, and I was like, "Wow, it's so interesting." Mm-hmm. I realized it was the spirit of the mapacho cleaning the cigarettes. Wow! And, um, <laughs> how, how beautiful, and, and, and how uh, the plants work together, you know, in, in, in healing. Right. Um, and uh, there were other things that changed about your life when you came back. Um, is there? Are those things you wanted to talk about, or? You know, I think you, the, yeah, that's uh, every trip was very different. You know, and when I when I went back uh, the second time, 
uh, after having made all these changes in my life and, and uh, really um, letting go of a lot of this anger and fear that comes along with it and all that, just much more coming from a place of love mm-hmm. in general, you know? So I went back to Peru thinking, oh, wow, well, let's, uh, let's, let's see what happens this time. Maybe I'll see, uh, maybe I'll see past lives or maybe I'll see future lives. Maybe I'll see other dimensions, you know? God knows what I'll see, you know? And, you know, when I got down there, the first ceremony, nothing. Not one thing. And I drank a lot of ayahuasca that night. And that was the first time that I had ever experienced nothing. And, this, and I was like, what's up? What's what's going on? And the next day, I drank the ayahuasca again, same full cup, to serve. And uh, very, very, there's no visuals. And I could just sense that um, that the mother was uh, not happy with my expectations. Oh. So she said, uh, she said, she said to me, "Everything that I've already shown you is within you, and I don't need to show it to you again. I'm not here for entertainment." Wow! And that kind of set the pace for that journey because that journey was about taking me to. Uh, all the dark parts about myself that that I stayed away from mm. or ignored or tried to push as if they didn't exist, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, long story short, I ended up um, taking on the medicine's recommendation that I do a nine-month celibacy diet. <laughs> and, uh, at the time, I was in a... I was in a relationship with a woman that I had been in a relationship with for on and off for eight years. We were living together at the time, and uh, I took on the, the medicine that the, the mother gave me, and I came back into the relationship and went into a nine-month celibacy diet, no drinking, uh, was very strict uh, uh, eating habits as well, so, and uh, you know, it included no masturbation, no, nothing. It was really like living the life of a monk for nine months. It's amazing how and, much um, we, we relate to these ideas of being a monk. And, I mean, all of this stuff starts to make sense when you do the medicines, right? I mean, absolutely. outside of a religious context, of course, but suddenly you look back and you go, wow, I actually get part of that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's really great that you say that because it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, you know? It's like this whole concept of sin, you know? And uh, the idea that, you know, it's like that it's through will that you will these things out and it's 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 got it it's backwards i believe you know it's like if you actually work on connecting yourself to the source Mm -hmm. your being will change so that you will not want to do it exactly oh yeah because then it becomes you know because then you're fighting your own nature and then it becomes a living hell sure when you know you don't like something about yourself but god damn it i'm gonna fix it and you know and you just keep falling back into this thing Whereas when you actually ultimately end up embracing these parts of you mm-hmm. and eventually learn how to actually use them to your to the, your overall advantage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Without all the guilt and, and all of that, you know, separating it out and seeing what's really at the heart of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of fi- finding that wholeness and completeness within just you. And that makes it possible to actually live it out, you know, in the world. Oh, yeah, entirely. Sure. So, 
So, uh, what happened after this uh, this long period? And it was it was a definite. What was it? Nine months? Did you say? Yeah, it was a nine month. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is I find interesting because you know it's a it's a human gestation period. Oh right! Yes, the rebirth. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That was exactly what it was. You know, and um, it's uh, speaking of the, the the mystical way of how I met my my wife. <laughs> uh, you earned it. Six months, six months into my diet, um, I was working on editing uh, the Reality of Truth, which is a documentary that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, so I'm working with uh, Zappy Zappelin, who is the producer and also the uh, the main character in the documentary. We're editing the piece in, uh, out of my home studio, and um, at the time I was I was sleeping on a hammock for some reason. I chose to sleep on a hammock this whole time, and it was really amazing. Actually, it's really good for your back. One would never think that, but uh, it was an amazing uh, experience to sleep on a hammock. Wow! But uh, one night. Uh, I was going through a really hard time uh, because my my ex uh, had hurt she had uh, um, you know uh, gotten into a relationship and I was having issues uh, you know letting go and things like that and it was still kind of biting, eating at me and so he gave me uh, uh, something that he got from Rhythmia uh, which was a a microdose. I'm of, sorry, who uh, gave you this? Uh, this is the oh right who was the producer of the Reality of Truth. Okay. Um, gave me uh, some plant medicine. It was just a, a microdose of ayahuasca. And, um, you know, not enough to to bring on an experience, but enough to alter the subconscious, you know, to reconnect you. And um, anyway, that night, I had this very vivid dream mm-hmm. where I was in, in bed with this woman that I hadn't met before, but who I had this feeling of knowing for forever, you know, and the thing is, is that her face was so clear to me, uh, it's just every outline, every detail, and you know, in dreams, usually faces are, are not, you know, usually faces are non-existent, mm. but in this case, it was ingrained into my brain, is the best way I can describe it, and so, sitting there, laying there with this, this woman in the bed, and then we start kissing, and it starts getting, you know, kind of hot and good, and then all of a sudden, my mother walks in, <laughs> as all right, kids, time to go to bed. And then she jumps into bed with us and turns off the lamp. And uh, then that's where the dream ends. And I just remember waking up with this sense of of love, of, like, possibility. And to me, the dream seemed to be much more metaphorical than than, than anything else. I thought, okay, what she's showing me is that this level of love is possible. Mm Mm-hmm. And you, I just have to keep doing the work, and this will come to me. Yeah. So two days later, email on Facebook uh, from this woman that I didn't know, named Alexandra, and uh, we had mutual friends through the ayahuasca center. Anyway, so we just started um, uh, talking back and forth because she's an she's an artist. She's an amazing artist, and she was inquiring because I, at the time I was interviewing uh, Luis Tamani, who's um, great visionary artist out of Peru and uh, she wanted some information on, on uh, his, his work and something he was connected to so I was connecting her to the proper person um, and we just kind of started emailing back and forth and eventually those calls you know that became like a FaceTime call and uh, at one point I think um, I asked her to text me a picture of her 
herself, <laughs> and she did. And when I zoomed into that picture, I was like, oh, my God, that's the girl from my dream. Right. Like, this is crazy. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and, you know, she looked exact. her hair was look, looking exactly the same way, the face, everything. And, of course, I didn't say anything right away because I was like, you know, I'm going to come across as a major freak if I was like, you know, I saw you in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I probably just, you know, shut up about that for a while. And, um, but, yes, uh, she came to me in the dream. And um, after the diet ended, which was in April, um, I flew her out to L.A. and we, we spent a week together. And right away, I, I knew, we both knew, you know, and um, shortly thereafter, she moved out here, and we we were actually married in Peru uh, last year in September uh, by Ricardo Amaringo, the, the Shipibo shaman. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so we had a we had a Shipibo wedding, uh, so that was the spiritual component of the wedding, where he, uh, as he describes it, he literally braids our souls together. Wow. And um, and then we had the official wedding uh, on June 23rd recently here in L.A. So, you know, we're uh, fully married. And, you know, it happened all pretty pretty quickly, you know. But, you know, going back to the diet, you know, and this is one of the great lessons of, of the medicine is that, you know, you it, when you want to move into new areas of your life or you want to achieve things that you've not uh, reached before, you have to create the space for those things, you know? Yeah. And so holding on to mediocre relationships for fear of being alone does not put you in a state where you are in a place where you've created the space to receive anything better than that. Absolutely. And yeah. so the big lesson of, of letting go, of just stopping the madness, of just like stopping the program on its tracks and just going back to zero. And the big thing... For, uh, for me was just reconnecting to God, mm-hmm. you know, reconnecting to the source and, and you know, stop, stop um, stopping ascribing qualities to the creator that are human. That right. Are, you know, not, you know, they're not, they don't go. Oh, absolutely. Wow. So much of what you've said um, resonates with me, especially that last little part um I think I shared this with you when we were speaking that, um, like a lot of people, I had a dialogue with ayahuasca in the jungle, and and it just kind of continued every day for me. And uh, it's been very intense, and uh, it's been I've been living in a very different way. And there were times when I felt, um, well, you're being shown things all the time and things you've got to change. And and there were times when I started to do that. Um, I attributed qualities to this voice that didn't belong there and and this voice would point that out like if you think if you're starting to think we're angry with you or anything like that that's you that's you (laughs) projecting that and be aware of that because none of that exists here none of that exists with us so you know it was it was it's been the education of a lifetime what can i say absolutely Um, and extremely liberating yeah it really is it really is because i mean imagine how many times we do that with other people too right Absolutely, and you know, and it allows. It really does allow for kind of humor to enter the equation. Sure. You know, <laughs> funny we, you know, as a species, how, how funny we are. We, you know, and and, um, and what a little bag of contradictions we are. You know? Oh yeah, 
It is. It's very funny, you know. And and there are times when you're learning and changing so much, and there, it's, there's so much focus on discovering things that you've got to do differently. That and, and I have an eight-year-old son, and he goes through that because he's learning and changing all the time, right? And so I just basically say, we're doing it together, honey. You know, <laughs> I get it. He feels dejected sometimes when he feels like, oh, God, I never do anything right. It's like, not true, not true at all. You're just learning, you know. And believe me, I feel like I'm right there with you, honey. I'm doing the same thing. And, yeah, he's my biggest teacher. So... um I want to give Alexandra some time to uh, to come into the equation now that she has in your story. And uh, did you guys both do ayahuasca together? Um, not the first time. Um, no. Uh, so Lee did it uh, a year before uh, my first time. And um, and uh, yeah, when I found the center. All I knew is that I had to look for a place. You know, I read some general guidelines, um, but I had no one who could refer me somewhere in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I started doing YouTube research and, and highly recommend for everybody to, you know, investigate where you're doing it and just to make sure you're going to a place that, you know, safe and, and, um, uh, people who can walk you through the experience properly. There's sure. not communication. And I went there, and I found this place through Medicine Hunter Chris Killam uh, referral uh, on YouTube. He was giving an interview, and, and just, the, the name just popped, and, and I was like, you know what, let me Google it. And I, so I booked myself into that retreat. Beautiful. And... Uh, and the first time I went, uh, it was it was interesting because I landed and I landed in the middle of nowhere. It's it's really deep in the jungle. I don't speak la- the language. I don't have coverage, and the only English speaking driver who was supposed to pick me up couldn't make it, so he sent someone who didn't speak any English. <laughs> so and everything that goes through my head, oh my God, human trafficking, sex trafficking, organ. I'm I'm in I'm in trouble. Because I'm trying to verify with this driver whether he's taking me to the place. And I keep repeating the name, but he doesn't seem to understand me. And so the ride from the airport to the center is about 90 minutes through jungle. There's nothing else. Right. And um, so that was my first kind of, you know, um, my first trust. Step. It's like, well, I'm here and I'm just going to have to trust it because obviously I can't change what's happening. Sure. You know, I'm already on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost gave myself a heart attack on the way. You know, I was like, okay, this is really bad. This is really bad because I can't make a phone call. The guy doesn't speak any English. Sure. Um, I'm like, what am I going to do? And there are a few things that I needed to pick up because they took my mosquito spray and a bunch of other things. They just didn't let let them through in the airport. So right. I was hoping to swim by the city and, you know, get the things that I needed. And that flew out of the window. And I'm like, well, this is a pretty bad start, right? Mm. I'm like, what else can I expect? <laughs> and then when I got to the center... Um, I immediately met people who've been there, and they told me that it's all good, you're in good hands, so that was very comforting. Beautiful. And I think I was so terrified the first night that I didn't even have any experience. Oh. Um, He started showing me the visions, and I was all over the place. I I barely could understand where to start because I realized how much baggage I brought. 
And I was like, I need, I need something just to start with, you know, what is it going to be? Where am I going to go? Um, and the first night I was so terrified, um, that she started showing me some visions and I never done any psychedelics in my life before. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready for it right now. And I, you know, I asked her to stop because it's a little too intense. And, um, and it was just a super mild ceremony, you know. I felt some some variation in my body, like I was a little weak, but other than that, nothing was happening. And then, and then little by little, I guess you know she knows you better than you know yourself. So oh yeah. She gained my trust with the second night, um, and then I was like, you know what? Because I asked her, I I had this feeling that you know I feel you know me, but can I meet you? <laughs> So I can build this bridge of trust, and she showed up, and the, the entire night she was just there introducing me to herself, and, and wow. slowly rolling on to me. How was what was um, that like? Her introducing you to her. It was beautiful. So I was able to actually, you know, communicate with something that was not just an idea in my head mm-hmm. or how I would interpret it. Because my best friend described her experience, like, you know, a lot of people get the consultation. I've actually, in 40-plus ceremonies, never, except for one line, heard her voice. Oh, okay. And so it took me a little bit of time to figure out, okay, so I understand, so my experience is very different. That's fine. And just to tune into that, like, how do I, what the message is and how she communicates with me in that sense. Mm -hmm. And the visions that I see, a lot of times they're metaphors for something else. They took a little bit of, you know, um, a talk, you know, with people who who are facilitating the medicine in the center so they could lay it out for me, you know, because I was like, well, I'm not exactly sure how to interpret certain things. Mm -hmm. And first time I did eight ceremonies and and they started progressing as I went you know like the deeper like how much I could surrender to what needed to the work that I needed to do right and um yeah and it was it was definitely life-changing event in the sense that I came home and it was like well everything has to change now you know Mm-hmm. It was like, where do I start? So during that time, um, even though it wasn't a language you understood, eventually you came to understand what the messages were and how relevant they were to your life. Are there any that you wanted to share, like any particular ones where you had visions and later you you realized what yeah, she meant by them? definitely. Um, well, you know, it, it kind of turned into ongoing ceremony um, because the, the, the things that I worked through in the ceremony, I was presented an opportunity to work uh, when, when I went home and, you know, life started oh, yeah. to me with situations Always. where I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> one of the ceremonies that I could not understand that was my first, the most terrifying ceremony that I... Um, and I understood, like, parts of it. So... The medicine was not coming on for two, about two hours for me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this is, doesn't, this doesn't work, even though I had pretty intense experiences before. But all this skepticism, you know, started just taking over. And I'm like, I'm sitting here in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh, with a bunch of 
strangers? Um, is this like brainwashing? And what am sure. I doing here? You know, yep. and I'm sitting there thinking the medicine is not coming on. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done here. And I'm just going to sit through the ceremony and tomorrow I'm going to go back home. And that was like the first week and I came for two. And wow. then as soon as I said that, it, it's just, it came on so strongly, like in no time, you know, the full effect. And I was like, okay, I'm taking my words back right now. Stop <laughs> because this is more than I can handle. And um, so, were there any distinctive easy. ones that had a distinctive yeah, lesson so that you I, can? I'm just looking at the time, and I want you to have an opportunity to share some of that right. stuff. And then, but and then, of course, how things changed afterwards, if we can get there. Right. So, what happened in that night is that I went through death experience meaning that I felt my heartbeat, I heard my heartbeat uh, slowing down and then eventually stopping, and then I left my body, where I understood that, well, I'm already dead, right? I mean, that's, that's directly what I thought, that I died, right? Um, because I could not distinguish between the difference between, you know, uh, reality and the vision, our so-called reality. And then what happened, I went to a space of, of no substance, no matter, and I kind of was recycled. And then, you know, there was this point of brief, you know, feeling of infinity, but it was so brief. And then all of a sudden, all this infinity is, again, decompressed and put into the body. You know, I felt like I was jammed to be, you know, to put back so the way I understood it is that I experienced my own incarnation, and then and then I found myself in the womb, you know, um, again in the womb, and it was just a terrible, terrible experience, uh, physically and, and vision-wise. It was just so bad that I, I I asked for help, and then, you know, the facilitator took me to the shaman, and she said she will help you, and. And he started singing to me, and as he sang to me, I saw myself being born. Oh, beautiful. And uh, I saw myself being born, and then what I understood, and then the whole experience changed, you know, and I was very welcomed into the world, and I felt very loved and cared for. So this whole nightmare just shifted after, after that. But what happened... Months later, my mother did the ceremonies, and she never told me that, but when she was pregnant with me, and she was five months in, and she was raped. Oh, wow. And that wow. basically was the experience that I didn't even know that I relived in the womb, that that basically kind of, you know, laid out my entire life for me. Sure. Sure, and it has a huge she, impact. She took her time to tell me that because she did not, she didn't feel comfortable talking about it. Of course. But then when she did the ceremonies, she said that that kept coming back, and the medicine told me that we need to talk about it. So mm. that's how I got my understanding what happened, you know, like that, because I, w I could not see what was going on. I could just feel my mom's fear and of course. Her, you know, all of the things that she went through, and they affected me. And so my understanding of rebirth of that ceremony was that I was given a chance to come with, to, to heal that trauma mm -hmm. and come into the world 
as a new person. Sure, absolutely. As you were describing it, I thought this is a healing. Rebirths often are, right? Exactly. So how did that play out when you got home? Like, you, Obviously, big things changed. You, you managed to bring your mother there, and, and so much has healed. Did you notice some day-to-day stuff just in the way that you approach life and how you felt about things? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because what happened is where I used to see, um, I used to see, I started seeing opportunities where I would see obstacles in the past. <laughs> Beautiful. So nicely said. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> it feels like that incident specifically influenced me in the way that I was, I felt overpowered all the time that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that or I would be too fearful to make a step, you know, or to make a decision and stick to it um, and things like this. So, and, and that was gone. And it felt like, you know, I can breathe now and I can I can move. You know, it's a very empowering thing that oh, it truly is in charge of where you want your life to go. Absolutely. I'm so, so sorry we're out of time, but thank you both so much for sharing what you did. These stories are so powerful and you have no idea what the impact can be of somebody else just hearing them, you know. Um, We all listen to stories at the beginning, many of us anyway, and and they change things for us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for having us, Rebecca. It's oh, I'm a real pleasure. Thank so, you. So glad. And, and I, I believe we'll, t- we'll keep in touch. I think we'll keep this conversation going. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're That's okay with that. Sounds great. Thank Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Okay, take care and enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Bye. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto. And I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com.